Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to learn from you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you and say, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Uh, thank you for the promise of rest. So many of us need rest. Um, whether it's just because we're busy or whether it's because we're weary or whether it's because uh, things are actually going great. We just haven't thought to stop in a while. Um, We need rest, God. Uh, So I do ask that you would um, open up our minds and our hearts to the reality of the fact that um, you have designed us for relationship with you uh, and you invite us into a space of rest. We love you so much, Jesus, but only because you loved us first, and we thank you for that uh, so, so much. pray all this in your name. Amen. Uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know we've been in this series entitled Made for Mondays, and we've been talking about how God is the God of our vocations, and uh, we've been talking about how we can honor God with our work ethic. Um, it's been really helpful to, to look at how can we honor God with our pattern of work. This morning, I want to I want to take a slightly different angle on it and say, as we honor God in our pattern of work, how can we also follow in our rhythm of work? And God's rhythm of work includes rest. Here's the thing: the rest we are talking about today is not just recreational. It's not just entertainment. It's not necessarily going to the movies or taking a vacation or anything like that. It's not laziness and it's not sloth. Our rest today that we're talking about is intentional rest for a specific purpose. And those purposes, if it it helps you uh, to to write this down, we're talking about a rest that is a stopping. We're talking about a rest that is a reviving or a refreshing to our souls. And we're talking about a rest that is a celebration. It may be any one or all three of those things that speaks to you this morning, but we're talking about stopping, reviving, and celebration. Uh, I also need you to know right up front, this is not something that comes naturally to me. Many of you guys uh, may, may know me from occasionally joining the band up here and playing guitar, and um, I'm not one of those like musicians that actually knows music. Okay, I don't understand music theory. I can't really read music. I don't know music properly. I'm one of the annoying musicians who goes, I just kind of feel it, right? Like, you just kind of go with it. And, and music comes somewhat naturally for me. That's the exact opposite of how rest is. Music, if you came to me and said, can you teach me how to play guitar? I probably couldn't because I, I, don't, I don't know the nuts and bolts well enough to pass it on. But rest has been the exact opposite in my experience. Rest has been something I've had to learn the nuts and bolts because it does not come naturally to me. Rest is difficult for me because it's hard for me to humble myself enough to sit and trust God and say, God, you've got this. You're God and I'm not. Often God will say, Katie, come to me. You look you know, weary and heavy burdened. And I'll say, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. I've got this, right? It's difficult to stop. So this is something uh, I'm excited to share with you guys this morning because it's something I've been practicing the nuts and bolts of for some years. Uh, and it's something that is attainable, even if it's not within our natural giftings or inclinations. So we know that we're trying together to learn to follow God's pattern of work. And in doing so, we turn this morning to God's rhythm of work, work and rest, rest and work. Come to me, Jesus says, all who are weary and burdened. A friend of mine describes uh, the Sabbath rest as the Christian's protest against production. 
I love the phrasing of that. It's a protest against production. It's a pause point where we say we're coming to God. We're protesting that we were just made to be a productive machine. Another friend of mine says it's when we remember we're not robots, right? It's when we remember that, oh, we're stopping and we're coming to God and we're humbling ourselves to say, God, my value has got to come from something other than just what I can accomplish, it's both terrifying and freeing to think about it that way. Because if we can't earn God's love, if he doesn't need anything from us, how are we going to get to right standing with him? Sabbath is this really powerful reminder that perhaps that standing was never for the earning in the first place. We find echoes of Jesus' words from Matthew 11 in a story in Exodus 31 about the Israelites whom God chose to be his people. They're fresh off an escape from Egypt where God has just revealed how strong and powerful and good he is. And he's freed them from slavery and he takes them to this desert to give them kind of the rules for how community should work. And as he's going through this rules, these rules, there's this one commandment that is repeated multiple times. And by the time we get to Exodus 31, this is the third time now that God has said this. He says this in Exodus 31, be careful to keep my Sabbath day so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Three times he says, you really need to stop and remember and refresh your souls and celebrate what it is that I'm doing. Because if you just go, 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 you, you have to make space to stop. You have to stop and remember this. It's important. Those of you who uh, work with kids or you have kids or you've babysat kids, uh, you, you know there's this really advanced technique for getting kids to listen, okay? You're, you're familiar with this if you work with kids in any capacity. It's called repeating it until you're blue in the face, okay? You, you know this. Those of you who are laughing, you're like, ha, I did that this morning. So, so those, you, you've experienced this in some capacity if you've worked with kids. Uh, we just commissioned the, the swim and gym team. The first couple summers I was up here, I, I was on that team in the summer, and every Thursday they take these field trips to really cool local spots. They go to, you know, the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk or the Exploratorium in the city, different spots like that. And, um, what we, would, what we would do is we'd all pile on a school bus right here in this front parking lot and we'd drive to the spot and then we'd get there and everyone breaks out into their teams and uh, I'd have about a dozen kids and another co-leader and we would rally the kids up and I don't know if you've ever tried to explain, hey, this is what's going to happen today with, with a roller coaster behind you. Like there's just no way a nine-year-old is paying attention. Their spirit's already on the roller coaster, right? And so they're not listening to anything I'm saying. So I would always pick one point. I was like, if I can get them to remember one thing, we'll be good. And I always picked the same thing for them to remember. And I would say it in between every other thing I was saying, hoping it would make it stick, right? So the rally would generally go something like this. I go, okay, kids, so today you will not be leaving my sight. And we're going to reapply sunscreen every 90 minutes and you will not be out of my sight. And we will be drinking a lot of water and staying hydrated and never will you be out of my line of vision, right? And then we're going to be, you know, rallying over at that flagpole for lunch, but you don't need to know that because we're going to be together, right? You're not leaving me. So we'll walk to the flagpole together, right? And, and you just repeat over and over and over, hoping that something will stick. And I see a little bit of that in this passage today where God is saying, we're together, right? And then there's all these other rules. And he goes, but, but you're, you're going to stop and be present with me on the Sabbath. And then all these other rules. And then, but, we're, but we're sticking together. We're going to be present here. I would repeat that to the kids, the importance of staying together, because I knew that if I was with them, I could remind them to reapply sunscreen. 
I knew they would forget, but I would be able to remind them. And I knew I could check in and be like, how much water have you actually had? Okay, you need to drink another glass of water right now. If I was present, I could do that. But if they were off on their own, now they have to remember all the things. And we see almost this gracious reminder in the text where God says, hey, keep a Sabbath day so that you remember that I'm the one who makes you holy. I'm the one who does the work here. I'm the one who's calling you to come to me. Stick with me. Let's, let's stick together. This, this echoes all throughout scripture and Christian history. Um, perhaps most poignantly, we see, we see this uh, in a passage familiar to many of you in Ephesians 2, 8, and 8 through 10, where we're reminded that it's by grace we've been saved, by faith. And this is not our own doing. This is not by our own works. This is a gift of God. It's easy if we can trick ourselves into thinking we've earned a gift to not recognize it as a gift anymore. And so the Sabbath is this really great installation that says, no, 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 when you stop and when you remember that God does the work, you actually get to recognize this gift that God has given us. Here's the problem, though. We can never rest perfectly. There will always be challenges to rest, whether from within or from around us. Perhaps it's a circumstance in your life that makes it really difficult to feel like you can stop. Perhaps it's something going on in your own heart or mind that you actually don't want to sit and rest. Perhaps it's something going on with people near and around and dear to you that it's just really, it's really hard to find a place to pause. In this challenge, we actually see uh, a, a more eternal reality in Christ's words. Uh, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. And while that's true in the temporary, that while it's true, we can find spaces in our lives where we feel like we can stop where we feel like we can be revived, where we feel like we can celebrate what God is doing, it's also true that sometimes that's just not clicking and that's hard. And in those moments, it's perhaps the best moment to anticipate an eternal reality, to realize that when Jesus says, come to me, he's talking about right now, but he's also talking about forever. And he's also talking about the fact that one day God's home will be among his people again. And that one day he will end everything that's wrong and he'll set it right. And that one day all sorrow and sighing will flee. And that one day he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. And that one day all injustices will be be brought to account. We find in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, in the letter of Hebrews in the New Testament, uh, we find this really beautiful line. The author is describing how the Israelites never quite got Sabbath right. In Exodus 31, God says, Hey, honor the Sabbath day to, keep, to, to remember that I keep you holy. And then in Hebrews 31, it says, but they never really got it. Like they never really got Sabbath. And there's this beautiful line where, where the author says, there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. We may never practice it perfectly this side of eternity, but there still is one coming that will be perfect. And when we practice the shadow of stopping and reviving our souls and celebrating now, it's actually calibrating us to think towards eternity. Many, many of you had a, a personal relationship with Rod Taves and you're mourning this loss while also holding this weird tension of, wow, but he's in the perfect Sabbath rest. He's in where he's, he's living in this beautiful place where now he's, everything that was wrong is now right. And he gets perfect peace that we only get glimpses of on this side. Guardians, parents, mentors, aunts, uncles, 
grandparents. I want to I want to specifically speak to you for a moment. Uh, in the in the little over four years that I've been uh, present with students uh, on the peninsula in a variety of settings, I've heard a refrain from many students who want to follow Christ but are kind of struggling to put wheels on that concept. Okay, I hear on repeat this line: "I want to follow Jesus, but I don't know how to make time for fill in the blank." whether that's prayer or community gatherings or scripture reading or just healthy relationships with other people or making time for family and friends or just to be as a human being. These students are saying, I'm, I'm too busy. I don't know how to find time for that. And that's not just a perception. That's actually a reality for many, many, many students uh, in this area. In the state of California, on average, um, high school students get sent home with three and a half hours of homework on a daily basis. Uh, that doesn't necessarily take into account if they have AP classes um, or if they're involved in extracurriculars or programs or sports or travel teams or if they have a job. Uh, it doesn't account for their family responsibilities and obligations. And there, There's a lot put on them. And we can't necessarily uh, change the trajectory of their busyness, but what we can do is model a healthy way to stop and have pause points in our life where we're revived, where we're focused on Christ, where we celebrate, and where we can just stop. But we can't model that for younger generations that desperately need to know that their identity is not found in a GPA, their identity is not found in the school they get into, their identity is not found in the trophy at the end of the season. We can't model that in integrity if we're not modeling that in our own lives. We can't say to them, your worth is not in your job if we are tempted to believe our worth is in our job. We have to step into this. So as a community, I encourage us to step into this for the sake of younger generations who are watching how we live our lives. This is important for us individually, but it's also important as a community to know how to hit stop. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, oh, okay, that's, that's great, Katie, like that's nice, but you, you don't understand where I'm at in my life stage. You don't know what it's like to coordinate the soccer carpool with the ballet drop-off and the DMV registration and the seven doctor's appointments and the fact that I need to get the oil changed on the car again. I thought I just did this. And you're right. Many of us are in different life stages than other people in this room. But what God calls us to, he'll always help us carry out. And it's not the life stage that determines our obedience. It's the spirit of God. So as we look at how this might look, look for each of us to take a Sabbath rest and to stop and to refresh our souls and to celebrate, we acknowledge that it's different in every stage of life. So I made a few phone calls in, in thinking about this, and I called a handful of friends in different stages of life, and I said, hey, how does Sabbath rest look for you? So I want, to, I want to share with you just a few examples of what a few people told me. Hey, this is how I stop and celebrate and remember who God is. Uh, a young mom told me she can't find peace and quiet to even use the bathroom. I know some of you understand that. Much less sit with Jesus. So a couple times a month, she has a friend watch the kids for just a couple of hours, and she heads to a nearby cafe, and she sits and she journals and she reads scripture, and that works for her. That's a Sabbath rest. It's a point of stopping and refreshment for her soul and celebration of who God is. A dad of a couple middle school students who's married to a woman with chronic illness and who has to work weekends said that right now in this life stage, Fridays work for their family. Uh, he said that uh, he takes Fridays off of work. It's his one day off in the week. And in the mornings, he'll go for a run or take a nap or read a book, something that's refreshing to him. And in the afternoons, he picks the kids up from school and they grab pizza together. And as a family, they watch a movie. And that works for their family. 
Uh, I personally have struggled in, in previous years to get a day in a week that works for me. And so every month or two, I would take 48 hours and I would go camping uh, and just completely disconnect from everything. Uh, and that worked for me. That was really refreshing to my soul. Parents of an elementary school age family told me that on Sunday afternoons, they uh, turn all electronics off for a certain number of hours and they do something as a family in that time. They play board games or they go for a bike ride and they just enjoy each other's company and remember that God has given them these gifts. Uh, my grandma used to walk her neighborhood in the afternoons and every afternoon just walk and, and chat with neighbors and kind of hear what was the latest. And when I would visit, I would get sat down and told all the latest happenings of this little chestnut street uh, and who her latest person was she was trying to tell Jesus about. Um, and, and for her, she, she loved that she thrived on those walks because for her, it was an acknowledgement that God's already doing things. I just get to hear about them. She would just stand on a street corner and talk to people for like 45 minutes. What a gift. We're too busy to stand and talk sometimes. And she would just stand there and talk. Okay, we're going to take a second to creatively say, man, as I look at what a Sabbath rest could look like in my life, knowing that Jesus has, has freed us from the, the law of Sabbath and said, hey, there's some creativity for how you're going to stop and celebrate who I am. I'm going to invite you guys to turn to a few people around you, maybe share your names if you didn't already, um, and, and if you're one of those people that's like, oh, I already have all the ideas, I'm, this is what I want to do, then you're going to need to do most of the talking, because other people are like, pass, and you have full permission to say, pass, I don't have any ideas right now, but we're going to take a couple of minutes to just say, what could this look like in my stage of life to take a Sabbath rest? So turn to a couple of people around you, and be like, how could I practice this in my stage of life? Okay, did anyone in your ideas, did anyone's ideas involve getting into nature somehow? Yes, you're my favorites, all right? Those are, those are the best. So you can see as you play this out a little bit, you probably had a handful of different ideas within your group. And those ideas probably are different now than they would have been two years ago, than they will be in five years. We have to kind of adapt to the life stages that we're in of how does this look? to be intentional about stopping and celebrating or stopping and, and reviving our souls before the Lord. I wanna give you one more reason why Sabbath rest is something that's worthwhile. In Genesis one and two, we get this, this narrative, this story. Uh, it's actually a poem in the original language that talks about how God speaks and life comes into being. There was nothing, and this God's voice calls into existence uh, the stars and the moon, the sea and the sky, the plants and the birds. Not only that, but he does this in a really timely manner. His work ethic is both tremendous and precise. He starts each day with the end in mind, and, and he finishes the work that he set out to do. He's not running late or bumping up against deadlines or stressed out or in over his head. He has a scope and a sequence for the most tremendous project ever taken on. He finishes everything he means to finish. If ever there was a significant model of work, we find it in Genesis 1 and 2. But we also notice something really, really unique. At the end of chapter 1, he creates humanity. He makes the world and the skies and the cuttlefish in the seas, and then he says, let's make man in our own image. And he bends down, he shapes this human, the story tells us, out of the dust of the earth. 
He breathes into them the breath of life, and he says, this is good. And then he stops, and he celebrates, and he says, let's call that the Sabbath. It's really, it's really interesting. It's, it, this is something incredible that we see in this text. This creator God who is tremendously and unequivocally both brilliant and capable makes the whole world. He's, doing, he's, he's, he's installing the mathematical formulas and seashells that we're just now understanding. He's creating habitats for koalas. He's hanging stars in a zero gravity sky. And then he makes this creature that he says, I want to have a relationship with this one. And the first thing he does is stop. Uh, my, my dad has, has always been good with word, woodworking. He's, he's done it for his whole life. And when I was in elementary school, he um, built these really cool floor-to-ceiling bookshelves, these custom bookshelves in, um, in our family's home. And uh, it, was, it was a huge wall, and the bookshelves were pretty uh, intricate, and you know, they, they looked really beautiful when they were done. And it took him a while. He was, he was crafting these for some time. Um, and, and we're, we, I grew up in Southern California, which is earthquake country. So you won't put any bookshelves up. It's like the entire back is just lined with screws to the wall. You know, like you're just, you're just trying to keep it on there. So it, it, it was a pretty involved project. Um, and when he finished it, what he didn't do was lean into the bookshelves and go, it's you and me bookshelves. We're in this. He, he made them for a purpose and they were to serve a need. And as soon as the bookshelves went up, we filled them with books. And books stayed on them until the day we moved out. Sometimes we're, we're tempted to think maybe God made us in the same way. Or, or think about it like this. If, if a small business owner uh, had an opening party downtown and someone you know opens a business and you walk in to support, right? And you, you're, you're ready to you know, buy a coffee or the service or whatever it is. And, and you walk in and, and they go, oh, don't buy anything. We're just so happy the doors are open. Please don't support us. We think that's ridiculous because we know that was made for an economic purpose. But so often we're tempted to think maybe God had the same mindset when he made humans. He didn't. The first thing he does is to be present, like a, like a parent with their kid who when the kid wakes up goes, it's you and me today. Let's do something fun. He takes the first day off. It's just a relationship. It's this beautiful, beautiful picture. And it leads us to the truth that no matter how tempted we may be to try and find our worth in what we do, God did not create us to be purely economical beings. We must protest productivity and remember that we were made, yes, to work hard and yes, to follow God's example, but also yes, to be in relationship with him and with each other. Right from the start, God sets this crazy precedent with his creation. Perhaps when Jesus leans into his listeners in Matthew 11, and he says, come to me if you're weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Maybe it's an echo of that first day with humans where God says, yeah, it's you and me. Stick close. Stick close. This is good. Friends, as we consider that we're made for Mondays, I really ask you to remember that as we follow God's pattern of work, it's also so important to follow his rhythm of work. I would remind us that we are to work with all our might and we are to set an example of life and faith. And we are to live such an ethic of work that we look different to the rest of the world and they're impressed at our integrity of how we work. 
But we are also to remember that we are to stop. And we're also to remember that God invites us to have our souls revived. And we're also to remember that we're to celebrate what God is doing. And we're also to remember that our worth has never come from our accomplishments and that God loves us just as much right now as he did when we were born as helpless babies who couldn't do anything as he will if we live to our dying days on a deathbed unable to do anything as well. His love for us is because he loves us is because he loves us. It's not based on anything that we can or can't do. This week, tomorrow, as you work with all of your strength and for the glory of God, would you also find a way to protest production, to remember that you're not purely an economic being, to celebrate the fact that God has always loved you right where you are at, despite any lies to the contrary? Would you hear one more time the words of our Christ and Savior? Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, thank you for the reminder of rest. Thank you uh, for the fact that we had this moment to sit and go, man, I, 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 I maybe have misplaced my identity a little bit. I maybe have been trying to find worth in something that you just want relationship in. God, would you uh, give us the humility to recognize where we need to stop? Would you give us um, the trust to accept from you where we need refreshment? Uh, and would you just give us the joy to celebrate with you uh, where it is that we uh, see you working and see you alive and see the goodness of this life that you've called us into? God, we acknowledge this is really hard for us to do. It's so hard to be humble enough to set things down and say, oh, I, I, I trust God. I don't, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to just stop for a few hours even putting my own effort forward. And I'm going to trust that God cares about me and he will take care of me and this will be okay. We acknowledge that that's just really hard to do. And we ask for your help in doing it. May we be a community that encourages this in each other. Uh, and may we be individuals uh, that practice this uh, just out of a desire to be with you, Jesus. We love you so much, but we know it's only because you first loved us and you started with us and you brought us into this relationship that you want to have. So we thank you and we praise you for that. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.